The following is an unedited full-length recording of the July 25, 2017 Board of Selectmen meeting. Video of Board of Selectmen meetings air on the Government Channel in Foxborough and are also available on the Foxborough Cable Access website at fcatv.org. Meeting coverage is made available through the efforts of Foxborough Cable Access on behalf of the Foxborough Board of Selectmen. This meeting runs just over two hours and 14 minutes. Welcome everybody to the Tuesday, July 25th uh, Selectmen's meeting. I'll read the agenda. Um, 7 o'clock, we'll have citizens input. 7.05, uh, Animal Control Officer, Police Chief, approved vote, Animal Control Mutual Aid Agreement with Norfolk. 7.15, MPS LLC, uh, we'll have public hearing. Uh, discussion vote on New England Patriots 2017 season application. 7.25, Tough Mudder, uh, authorization for town manager to execute agreement. We'll review uh, Tough Mudder proposal and provide, uh, provide authorization to the town manager to execute agreement. 740, selectman's update. 750, town manager's update. 8 o'clock, assistant town manager's update. And then we have um, a bunch of action items. Uh, Chris, will you lead us in the Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Didn't put it behind you this time, so Find it. Uh, is there anybody here for citizens' input? <laughs> anybody? Anybody? Hi, Debbie Giardino, 151 Main Street, Town, Rec Town Recreation Director. Um, I'm here tonight to invite all of you and anyone in the viewing audience to an event that's going to take place on August 21st, which you may or may not be aware of. There is going to be an eclipse on the 21st. And the Boy Scouts of America, Troop 7, Tom Perry being the leader, in partnership with the Recreation Department, we're holding an eclipse viewing party. It's going to start at 12.30 at the Booth Playground, which will be a great place for viewing. It will end at 4. There is two, two ways of approaching this party. You could pay $15, and with that $15, you will receive a T-shirt. On the front of it says, where will you be on August 21st? And on the back of it, it has a picture of the United States, of which there will be a red dot on, the United, uh, on Massachusetts, preferably on Foxborough, um, indicating that you were present for the eclipse. Um, you'll also receive glasses because, as we all know, you cannot view the sun on any day, particularly on a, an eclipse day. And if any of you are as old as I am, we used to make those boxes that you had to view from inside your house to watch the eclipse. Um, it's a daytime eclipse. Um, I did a little research. There has not been one in 38 years. So for some, it will be the first that they've ever seen. We will not have the benefit of having a total eclipse, but it's going to be the first contiguous um, eclipse, that, meaning that it's going to stretch from coast to coast. Um, and in saying that, we are not going to have a total eclipse. Um, some states will be totally darkened, um, South Carolina being the last one before it approaches us. And I have a map. Um, or a diagram that shows how it's going to unfold as it approaches Foxborough. Um, I don't know if you can see this, but this will be as it unfolds with the total eclipse in the middle, which, of course, we will not have the total eclipse, but we will have um, a significant 
portion of a partial eclipse. Um, it's a great opportunity for the town. It's a great opportunity for the kids. It was the Boy Scouts idea. They wanted to do just the Boy Scouts, but of course recreation has to jump on everything. <laughs> and we chose to join them and offer them the support and logistics of everything that recreation can offer. Camp is closed that week except for an ancillary camp that will be at Mill Street, so the Booth Playground is the most perfect place to hold it. We would like to invite the senior citizens to come down. We'll have glasses for them. The veterans to come <coughs> down. We'll have glasses for them. Um, there's going to be hot dogs. I, there will be music. There will be also... Um, a teacher from the Ahern School, a science teacher... And forgive me, I had her name, who is coming down to do a fun and educational, excuse me, Tara Tetralt, at a Hearn School science teacher who has agreed to come down and give a fun yet educational component to um, the Eclipse viewing party. I think Town Hall should close that, type, that day during that time <laughs> and everybody come down there for some educational viewing. Um, <laughs> Thank, thanks for the little bit of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> you can down at various times. Um, it's just this is just a little plug because our we we do market all over the place, as many of you know, from Facebook to Twitter to constant contact. The Boy Scouts are doing it their way, and they're contacting their Boy Scouts. Anyone that wants to hear it, anyone that hears it through this way, should contact the Recreation Department. Um, and I certainly hope that families will join it. I don't know when the next eclipse will be. That will be the last thing, last mm -hmm. unknown fact that I have. Um, and even if you wanted to just come down and see the eclipse, the glasses will be available. I just think it's going to be a fun day if we can um, rally, rally the kids and the parents together. It could be a great event. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for your time and allowing me to put this plug in. I have some flyers for... Um, your table and for your table and the applies also throughout the town and of course again using all of our various marketing techniques and also the Boy Scouts again this was a Boy Scout initiative um, and they're really flying with it we just mm -hmm. offered to jump on the bandwagon yep. and help promote it and bring our kids to it as well and get word out through all of the avenues that we have Right. Right. Thank you. Right. Thank you. So it's, it's $15 and to $15 see if you wanted to do mm -hmm. the whole thing, which is the glasses, the T-shirt, the oh, okay. hot dogs. Um, if you didn't want to do that, we're still going to have the glasses, which I think are the most important part and maybe the most um, wanted part if people just wanted to come down and just view it, say, you know, senior citizens that might want to walk down or maybe they'll bust them down or, or veterans who just may, again, join up and come down. Um, they'll, they'll, they will be available. The other package was um, developed by the, by the Boy Scouts. It's a, it's a Boy Scout venture, so they developed that package. But once we were jumped on, they were able to lower the price, which was great for everybody. Mm -hmm. So congratulations to Tom Perry and his troops. I wish them the best of luck. And um, if you can be there, we'll see you there, unless it's dark, then I won't see you, um, except for my special glasses. If, uh, if, if it rains, is there a rain date for this? <laughs> you got to say a joke. <laughs> I had to think about it for a minute. That's a sad thing. I know you did. I'm kidding. No, you'll have to go. Maybe we'll get a tent, but I think the moon waits for no man. There you go.
The rain is tomorrow. <laughs> next day. Yeah. Next day. It's rained enough this summer. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Deb. Make sure you remember this. Remember you know, a little past 705. As a Troop 7 Eagle Scout, I wholly support you supporting them. Um, Alan Erickson, representing 91 North Street. I just want a point of order clarification. Will you be opening the floor after the agenda items, specifically with respect to the Tough Mudder conversation? We'll, we'll open up for, 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 for public comment. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, Bill, are you going to do the, the food, vote, animal control, mutual Yes, so, so I'll, I'll present it, yes. Or okay. do you want to wait? I can present it. It shouldn't take more than five minutes. It's, it's really, it should, be, it should be brief. The, uh, the, the proposed agreement that you have before you tonight, which is item, uh, which is a, is a mutual aid agreement for ACOs, for, uh, we have a situation right now where we provide, where we have um, one animal control officer and other communities have single animal control officers, and sometimes there are situations where they need to cover for each other. This is a one, a one step towards formalization of that. We've always had a, a good, good, um, working relationship with Norfolk, um, and this is an opportunity to try and formalize that agreement. So um, this is a standard agreement that we have uh, that's been used uh, throughout the state, and it's something that we, we're trying to formalize with the town of Norfolk. This is something that Chief uh, Baker has been working on with, with our ACO. So um, I recommend that the, uh, that the the chairman sign it, um, of course, with the, with, the, with the approval of the board. Um, and this will actually help us in providing, providing coverages for times when there are gaps in co in, of coverage throughout the year. Do we, do we have um, agreements with other towns? We don't, but this is the first one we're actually going to formalize. We're going to mm -hmm. actually try to, it's been informal up to now, but we think okay. we should start formalizing that because it's issues about liability and things of that nature. So should, eventually uh, Mansfield? And Mansfield, yeah. This is one, another step in, to, towards regionalization. Mm -hmm. Of this type of uh, type of matter, there's, there's no cost in this. It's just sharing uh, existing resources. Right. So basically, what happens is that we pay for the cost of the person going over there, but there's likewise they pay for somebody to come over here as well. So it just works out. It's more formalized that way. Right. Move to approve uh, the animal control mutual aid agreement with Norfolk. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Uh, a little bit ahead of schedule. Save the chief a little bit of discussion. So. <laughs> all set. Going to do a couple action items? Sure. Um, <clears throat> move to approve uh, 42 election workers uh, with terms expiring 9-1-18. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Uh, move to approve a block party for 12 Fails Place uh, on 729-17 from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Uh, move to approve a national night out event for the Foxborough JCs on 8-1-17 from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Second. Motion made second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Uh, move to approve the fall vendor fair for the Foxborough JCs on the town common 
on 10-21-17 with a rain date of 10-22-17 from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Second. Motion made. Uh, any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Uh, move to approve a one-day wine and malt beverage liquor license for the Foxborough Realty Associates for a Saturday 7-30-17 for their International Champions Cup. For the International Champions Cup. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Move to approve extending closing hours for Jake and Joe's for Saturday, 8-26-17 to 2 a.m. for the McGregor-Mayweather fight. Second. Uh, under discussion, I noticed on the letter they're, they're not extending the food service and they're not extending the liquor, and they are hiring a uh, detail officer. So th this is one that's probably going to be more... Um, Restaurants coming to, to, to do the they same thing. It may very well be. Uh, yeah. Does the board have a preference on any of the three, the, the officer, that, so we can give some guidance to the next four or five that might come in? Have we ever extended an actual liquor license before? Yeah, New Year's mm -hmm. Eve. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, Chief, any any comments on um, extended hours with a detail officer? Is that is that something that we should require or? Yeah, just for this particular event. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think certainly we can handle the detail option. But there might be more restaurants applying. Uh, because of a precedent, yeah. Think would... yeah. Well, no, only because it's the type of event that it is. It's a it's a special fight. Um, it's actually gained pretty much worldwide attention. So <laughs> it's. Uh, so it's it's going to be a unique event in many ways. <laughs> yeah. I just envision a lot of the bars and restaurants saying, can we open till 2, and it's the 26th, so it's probably one more meeting. We're probably going to get a bunch of them. Yeah. So rather than be surprised at the next one if yeah. we had some dialogue. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think we, we have a problem extending the opening hours, but I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think we want to extend the service hours. The service hours. Mm -hmm. I think that could be problematic, especially if you know you do it for one, you got to do it for ever, for yeah, everyone. You're asking on a case by case basis. Uh, I don't understand the board exercising that authority, but if you want my frank opinion, I think holding the line on the closing time is clearly our best interest in the best interest of public safety. So you're saying not extending, not extending the closing hours? Right. Uh, quick question: Does anybody know? What hours the pay-per-view is? I mean, I'm not a boxing fan, so I don't know when it starts and when it's scheduled well, it's, to end. It actually starts, I think, I, I'm guessing on this only because, I, because I've seen these type of things happen before. It's, a, it's probably late because it's located in another part of the world. And so as a result, um, it, it'll probably start later, probably around 9 o'clock, 8 or 9 o'clock, and there'll be a bunch of fight. There'll be fights leading up to it. And this is, this is the, the number one fight. Uh, but that'll be, it doesn't stop probably till 1 o'clock, uh, 12, 30, 1 o'clock. Oh, you don't even think it'll start till then? No, because that's why, that's why they're extending it till 2, maybe midnight. Maybe it's a midnight you start. You expecting a knockout? <laughs> it could be. I've seen those happen before. I mean, we've seen that happen in the first, second round. It's happened, but, but. So the issue you may have is the fight's nearing an end. It's closing time. People yeah. aren't going to leave. 
they're not right. going to shut the TV off, and you may yeah. have issues that way. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to look it up. <laughs> oh, you're watching the fight? I'm looking it up. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize it's going to have music. Well, I, I, think, I think we have uh, we have an issue here because if we if we okay Jake and Joe's and you know, the next thing you know, we have, you know, like Jim said, you know, half a dozen people come and looking to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think we have enough. And, and if we're going to acquire a detail officer, I don't know if we have enough officers to, right. to cover. What, what's the difference in... In this, in New Year's Eve, you have as many, you know, maybe not details at each place, but I think more yeah. people probably a good point. extend for New Year's Eve. And, and the serv- the food, it says in the letter they're requesting that the food service and the liquor service would end the normal time. So it's not they're not extending the food or the liquor service. Mm-hmm. They're just extending. Just in case the fight goes longer. Right. Chief, the detail is four hour minimum. Correct. So they're going to have to pay for a detail for four hours, even if it's a, a one minute fight. This is Jake and Joe's. Jake and Joe's right now. Jake and Joe's? On the Foxborough Mansfield line. The times haven't been announced. But it will certainly be a late night or very early start. So late night or early start. Yeah. So what happens if the fight's still going on at two o'clock? It's in Vegas. Oh, so I, oh, was, I thought it was actually, actually another country. It's actually uh, going to be in Vegas. Oh wait a minute, maybe it's in the UK. Well, whatever it is, they haven't announced it yet on this on this website. Yeah. So if it's a late night start in Vegas, it's three hours difference here. All right. So midnight. I don't necessarily have a problem. I mean, it's, I mean, it's 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 a lot of money for them to have this yep. cable hookup. They're going to have the show to shut it off halfway through is going to be a disaster. Yeah. But if everyone's going, if we're going to require a detail in this, a bunch of restaurants, it's it's just, you're right. It's similar to New Year's Eve. Yeah. So. How about we do this? We get some well changing it to two more weeks I guess it depends on when the fight's going to start I don't know when they're going to announce the time yeah there's nothing they haven't given it to us yet what is it and I hear you say in another meeting if that's the case I'm happy to go down and meet with the licensee and see what they know about the start time and what they have in mind and come back and present what I find to the board if that's helpful well, I don't. I don't think the extended time is an issue. I think the details in it is an issue. The detail officer. Well, if they're willing to, if they're, they're saying that they're going to hire. No, a, I, I understand, but are we going to require all of them to? Well, you have detail officers already stationed at, at Patriot Place, right? Which we would on Friday nights, anyways. So that wouldn't. They just may change the. the how late are they there, till Chief? Right. 
So could we, if let's say we get three or four requests from Patriots Place to extend it, could we extend that to 2 o'clock if need be? Sure, yeah, we, we always work with the licensees and the proponents to do we do to adjust the hours. You know, those are not set in stone, so we just start an hour later and finish an hour later, mm -hmm. for example. All right. So the, so the question is, if the, if, the, if the fight goes to 2, that means you're still going to be need somebody there till 3. Go up to about midnight, but never beyond yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And especially these two, because they generally don't like each other. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're all for the, to, to kill one another. So, yeah. So, the press conference on Thursday looks like they'll announce the details then. And so, if they're all fine with them extending the hours and they're willing to do pay for the detail, I say we just that's our precedent. If anybody mm -hmm. else wants to, that's fine. Same rules apply normal food and liquor ends at the normal time and you have mm -hmm. to pay for a detail. Is there, um, is there any um, thought on the board's behalf to wait wait this out for two more weeks so we have no more information? What? I have no problem waiting two more weeks. It'll, it'll be only, it'll still, they'll still give them, the fight is until 26th of August. Yeah, that'll still give them three weeks. Mm -hmm. Still gives them a couple more weeks. Yeah. I mean, it gives them comfort we can approve this and then contingent upon um, working with the police department. You know, we'll figure out that part later. Yeah. But to let them know that 2 o'clock Yeah, because they're going to want to market this and publicize it as yeah, much as enough. they possibly can. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if we're all comfortable with mm -hmm. allowing them to do it mm -hmm. and having the detail, that just has to be the precedent for any other establishment mm -hmm. coming forward. Yeah, with the police yeah, detail to be determined. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is this this is kind of an unusual request? So, do you think Fox Cares could send out a uh, reminder to all the people, Fox Care members, if if they are even interested in this, that we have like one more meeting mm -hmm. before to, to get an approval? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Could do that. Because you don't want to have people coming at the last minute. Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, motion was made. It was seconded. Um, lengthy discussion. Um, all those in favor? Okay. Right. Okay. Let's um, go back to uh, 715 MPS LLC. <coughs> uh, the Board of Selectmen, acting as the local licensing authority pursuant to Mass General Law Chapter 140, Section 181, and Section 183A, and Chapter 136, Section 4, Code of the Town of Foxborough, Chapter 229, and also Stadium Rules and Regulations, will conduct a public hearing on Tuesday, July 25, 2017, 
beginning at 7.15 p.m. in the Foxborough High School Media Center, 120 South Street, to review the application submitted by New England Patriots LLC for the 2017 New England Patriots regular season home games, including preseason and potential home playoff games. These events are proposed for Gillette Stadium. Application for this event is on file at the Office of Selectmen. All interested parties are welcome to attend. Welcome. Thank you. Jesse Enos with Gillette Stadium. And Randy Briggs, Stadium Advisory Committee. Okay, before you tonight to request the 2017 um, New England Patriots season license. Um, as with previous years, we have two, we're asking right now for two preseason games, eight regular season games, and hopefully two home playoff games, um, as well as our open training camp sessions, which we have, which we host at the stadium on our practice field. Um, we will continue to request a two-hour Lot, uh, gate time and a four-hour lot time, specifically for our home opener, which is on uh, Thursday the 7th. We're asking for uh, a 3.30 lot time instead of a 4 o'clock lot time just because that home opener, um, we have the banner reveal, we'll have some in-stadium fanfare, and we'll be encouraging fans um, to come down to the stadium as soon as possible. And because it's also a weeknight and there'll be a certain level of commuter traffic, we ask for the additional 30 minutes just to help get people, process cars, get them off of uh, a Route 1 and into our stadium. So we are incredibly fortunate to be planning another kickoff celebration that is nationally televised. Um, it's a huge game for us. It truly is. It's the start of the NFL season. The entire league has their eyes on us, so we've got some exciting stuff planned. I mean, as you guys know, we we like a good celebration. So we're going to have a really um, great program put together for our fans in the stadium. Uh, and then the national broadcast will pick up for about two and a half minutes. Um, we'll have our championship moment. We will reveal our fifth banner. And uh, and then the game will kick off. So uh, it'll be an exciting day. We've got a lot of really cool stuff planned. You'll notice that there's some construction going on in our south end zone where we've got a, a whole new display system in place this season, which will be great. Um, the balance of the season, you'll see a lot of the same um, initiatives with a new twist. We're going to do, continue to have a, a cancer awareness um, month. We will continue to do a salute to service. Um, as far as the venue itself, we have done a lot of changes and upgrades in the building, as you guys know, um, you know, at field level and in the 100 level and the club level. So in this offseason, we really focused on the 300 level. It was about time that we did some upgrades to that space. And so the uh, in the offseason, we have two. We did two big projects um, that we're unveiling that will actually, hopefully, will have sort of a soft opening for at the Coldplay concert on August 4th, but we'll certainly be up and running for the preseason. And, and those two projects are our JetBlue landings. So there's four landings right now on the 300 level, one in each corner. Um, the space was otherwise just open, and now we have these landings which are going to provide sort of a temporary shelter um, for our guests, a place for them to congregate, to rest their drinks, to meet up with friends who might be in other sections and also have some protection from the weather. They'll be climate controlled. Um, they will have a covered roof. So it'll give our fans in the 300 level, which anybody who's ever been up there knows how incredibly brutal it can be, especially with wind. So it'll be a nice space for in, in, all, in each corner um, for fans to congregate. And then we have an additional space called Union Point, which we feel like is going to really be the next sort of um, landmark installation in the venue, also in the 300 level in the south end zone. Um, and then that space is, again, structured um, 
to provide some level of protection from the elements but still provide um, viewing from all angles and give our fans a place to um, get together with with friends and fans who just aren't in their section. And additionally, in the 300 level, behind the last row of seats in that first tier of the 300 level, we have added a, um, a drink depth railing. So whereas and when the stadium opened and, and we've just had this uh, a red line painted, which is where people know that they can't step any closer to the, the back seats, now there's actually a structure in place, and it gives fans an opportunity to, again, congregate, watch the game, talk to friends, but also it provides a layer of protection for that last row of seating, who otherwise would have fans kind of close up against their back, and now they've got a, a actual line and a structure that's keeping them um, in place. So with those additions, we're looking forward to um, another exciting and hopefully equally as successful season. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Questions from the board? Uh, the, the one issue that's been going year after year now, the optimum lounge uh, seating mitigation discussion, is there an update on that? Yeah, we. Um, I'm actually going to hopefully I'll, I'll try and update the board to get your next meeting, but have to be an executive session for that, okay. so so I wouldn't get to that tonight. But but I will tell you that, um, that we, we've had some really positive conversations about that, and mm-hmm. um, there was uh, there was a, a temporary resolution of that last year, but we're looking to try and come up with a, a more permanent resolution. And so I'm going to try and update you at the next meeting for okay. that. So it's, it's been in the discussion circles. Oh, absolutely, okay. yeah. And in fact, the last few meetings have been very positive about it. So thank you. Any other questions from the board? Okay. And it is a public hearing. Is anybody in the audience that has any questions or comments or concerns? Seeing none, motion to close public uh, meeting. Move to close public meeting. Is stadium advisory committee. Anything to add? Yeah, I have nothing to add. Uh, just does such a great, thorough job. And, and her opinion is really nothing to add. And, of course, we've outlined everything in the uh, memo uh, based on our, our meeting and our recommendation for approval. You provide personal protection to Jess, right? Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> All right, so I second Doc's closing of the public hearing. Motion made, second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Uh, move to approve the uh, application submitted by uh, the New England Patriots uh, LLC uh, for approval to their 2017 season. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> All right. 7:30. Um, Tough mutter, authorization for town manager to execute agreement. Bill, you want to you want to update us on this? Sure. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, so, members of the board, this is a an, an issue that's been ongoing for for several weeks now, and um, it's required um, information from both the um, and approvals from two other boards in town prior to reaching you. Um, primarily because of the venue that is being con- explored and, and considered here is, is actually on, on part, part of it's on conservation land and the other part is on recreation land. Um, so far, up to this point, we've received uh, support from both boards. Um, recreation has voted by a margin of seven to nothing to support this approach, this, uh, this tough water event. And the Conservation Commission voted last night four to two with conditions to uh, support the event as well. The conditions were specifically 
uh, described in the minutes last night, and I'll, I'll outline them for the board tonight. Um, I actually printed them out today, so you could actually, uh, so I could read them into the record tonight. Uh, one second. Documents here, so I want to make sure I get the right one. Essentially, I'll, I'll try and uh, I'll try and uh, summarize them for you. But the but the commission voted to approve the the uh, the, the license uh, the uh, the use of the land with the conditions that they had to. Uh, it was only for one year approval. That they would come back, uh, that the commission would have final say over the actual venue, um, that uh, our actual course, that and they were going to be able to walk the course with with the conservation commission. They also require that that a botanist or a person with expertise in in um, in um, land and uh, environmental conditions would, would actually be with the board when they did their walk, and also that person would be available to the board. Conservation Commission when they when the, when the race was or the you know, the event was was finished so they can actually evaluate uh, the the restoration plans that would be that we taken afterwards so it looks as though I didn't actually take the right document so I apologize for that but um, but having said that what what they um, there were a couple others as well too I think Bob were, uh, did I miss any uh, did we just oh you have okay. If you like, I can read the... Yeah, that'd be great, if you could. Sorry, but I apologize. I thought I took the wrong document. I apologize. I still don't And I'll read them from the... Oops, I will. Where did it go? Okay. Uh, a motion to allow Tough Mudder Organization to use the Lane property for their 2018 event with the following conditions. The Conservation Commission gets the final say on the trail layout. There will be no spectators allowed on the lane property. The Conservation Commission gets the final say on the obstacles to be placed on the lane property. At least one Conservation Commission member to be part of the group that reviews any Tough Mudder proposals for the town of Foxborough. The trail through the lane property shall not exceed three miles. A wetland environmentalist slash environmentalist slash wildlife scientist to be hired to aid the Conservation Commission in review of the course layout, construction, and restoration of the lane property, and no waiver of any state or local wetland filings will be granted. Uh, the Conservation Commission reserves the right to revisit these conditions after the 2018 event. And that motion passed four to two. So that, so that discussion occurred last night. It was about a two-hour discussion. Um, um, Kay Conley is here from town council because she actually reviewed the, the actual agreement that's before you tonight. Um, we spent quite a bit of time answering questions from the, um, from the commission as well as responding to comments from the public. Um, I will state that the comments from the public were, were only from the Lane family members. They were not, there was not any general public co concerns raised from anybody, from anyone from the general public itself. 
that was strictly from Lane, Lane family members. So, um, and since that point, I've, I've not heard from anyone else otherwise with respect to this issue. So I wanted to, st um, I do want to say that the, uh, the event is something that is um, unique to Massachusetts. It would be the first one of its kind in Massachusetts, though it is something that's occurred actually across the world. Um, and it's, a, it's one of the, the, uh, the most challenging courses that has ever been. It's, it, they, they build themselves being one of the toughest uh, course known to man, the uh, toughest course on the planet. And um, actually, a lot of people, it's a, it's a way of life for the people that, that actually participate in it. It's a, it will actually bring about eight to 10,000 participants to the community over the course of a couple of days. Um, and it will be uh, held over, the court, over a 10 to 11 mile course throughout the town uh, using the, the, the venues. And it's actually, the, there's a map of the locations in the, in the actual agreement that I forwarded to the board as well. Um, Did we get? It? I didn't see a map. It was, it's, it's one at the very. It's at the very end. There's a map it's of it. Yeah. Um, Page actual, thirteen. Yeah, it's on the very end. Of it, yeah. So, um, the other thing that I wanted to do, and, and it was unfortunate because it was statement. There was a statement made last night at the commission member at the commission meeting that there was um, efforts made to try and have uh, Tough Mudder uh, provide the information to the to the conservation commission on events they've held in other areas. Um, Unfortunately, that information never got forwarded to the board, but, but they, they did respond, actually, and I got the copies of the emails that, that were sent out. And there were, there was three, there was three or four responses that were sent uh, to the Conservation Commission on that. Unfortunately, I just didn't receive them. So, but I will say that one of them was from Mount Snow, which is uh, most recently held that event. Uh, probably it was in June, I believe. I think and one of our board members actually participated in that event. Um, but the, the, I will say that the, I spoke to the, the, the coordinator for that event. He said they, are, they, are the, they were the number four venue uh, identified by Tough Mudder when it, when it first started. Uh, that was about five years ago, by 19, uh, 2013. They have, um, they've held the event there nine different occasions. Now, they've had it there for eight years, but they actually had two events in one summer because of the popularity of it. Um, Mount Snow, if, if, if anybody, uh, anyone's familiar with Mount Snow, the top of the mountain is actually U.S. Forest Service, Forest Service land, Forest Service protected land. Uh, the bottom of the pot is actually owned by Mount Snow. And so the requirement to participate on that property had required it had to go through the federal, uh, federal guidelines for participation, which they did uh, eight years ago. It was a very str strenuous process, which they, they ultimately prevailed upon. They then held the event there and were invited back for eight straight years, and, and have since have had, a have had a tremendous track record of, of working in very de uh, sensitive areas, which is another reason why it's, it, it was uh, important for us to consider that as part of the overall um, uh, approval here in the town. We are dealing with, uh, to, to my knowledge and understanding, I don't believe they've ever actually served, they've actually held it on a conservation parcel in the past, but they've certainly held it on on, on federally and state protected and water district uh, highly sensitive areas and have had a track record that has uh, been impeccable in terms of restoring the property to the way it was prior to the, when the events were heard, actually held. So I, if, if at any time during the, during the course of the discussion there was a, a concern that we would somehow cause any kind of permanent damage to the property, that would certainly be something that I would not bring forward for the, for the board's consideration. Um, I've yet to see that. In fact, in, in Googling the property, uh, Googling this event, I could not find anybody that could provide any kind of permanent sort of eco ecological or environmental type of issues that occurred to the property where these events were held. 
it's important for for the, that the that the event be brought to Foxborough for a couple of reasons. One is the fact that is for notoriety purposes, it, it it is the first of its kind that will be held between Boston and Providence on a regional basis. So, so that in and of itself is unique. Second of which is that from a regional economy perspective, it is it is very significant because it significant because it provides support for the local restaurants, local hotels, the gas uh, that that gets put in the cars and all the um, uh, additional items that people buy while being and participating in these events. Um, it's a ripple effect that, that occurs, and, um, and also uh, the uh, areas that where they have participated in these races have, have also been identified as areas that have actually been improved after the uh, race has been held. So there are areas that we have identified actually in the conservation areas that we, we'd like to see improved. Um, and uh, with participation in this event, we can actually uh, gear ourselves towards having some of those areas addressed. So um, it is not a multi-year event, as has been has been discussed. However, it is it is it is um, preferred to have it over a five-year period. Uh, that's usually the length of time that it is done. However, in this case, and in, and in the way it usually starts out is that it's a, it's reviewed after the first year. If it's successful for the uh, for Tough Mudder, then they will they will ask to come back. If, if the community itself is unhappy with the way it was treated in, in terms of how was the event occurred, then the community has the right to say, no, we don't want you back. So it's, this is the way this, this event occurs. Um, I know that um, some people have actually participated in these events. I have not personally not. I have no, not had any affiliation with this group before whatsoever. I know that Chief Baker is here tonight. And he's actually <coughs> participated in uh, several of the events as well as been in part of uh, um, uh, worked in a community up in Maine where, where they actually hosted a, a couple of these events and during the course of his career and can speak to this more specifically about how, why it is, it is a good thing to occur. So I, I can turn it over to the Chief if the, if the Board wishes to, to do some here for yeah. that. Yeah, please. So well, I apologize for being coming to the 705 event. Yeah. had a call at the Rock Hill Cemetery and it's I can't drive by a call without backing my officers up so yeah, that took enough. precedent so I guess what I have to offer is uh, in my former life I brought the tough mutter to the city of Westbrook Maine and as I've said uh, publicly many times now they were spectacular partners for our community they took very good care of the combined parcels of land that we put together to accommodate this race which included uh, a private golf course uh, about 80 acres of municipal forest and municipal recreation land, um, a large parcel of land owned by the Portland Water District that was uh, protected uh, water district land. And they took uh, outstanding care of the land. They uh, made sure that the participants uh, were channeled appropriately if there were any sensitive wetlands or sensitive species uh, in any of those parcels of land, uh, and they delivered 100% on their promises to leave the land better uh, than they found it in many cases. Um, I also, uh, because it, it ended up being a five-year option agreement, uh, my experience is that in order to be responsive to their customers, uh, ours went two years out of the five, uh, and then the customer feedback was that was great, but we'd like to try something else, and they try and locate another venue. Um, so I think the one-year option agreement is a good way to go. Um, but I also went to see other venues that they hosted and uh, 
New York and New Jersey and everywhere I went and everything I observed told me that they were very responsible stewards of the land, took good care of things and delivered on the promises that they made in the agreements that they executed with both the municipality and the private landowners. So for what it's worth, that's my personal experience with this organization and this race. Any questions for the Chief? No. Oh, excuse me, Chief. Um, up in the Westbrook, in your town of Westbrook, um, the, the area that was used for the obstacle courses, what was it originally? Was it just fields or was it just... Uh, it was very similar, actually. It was a combination of... Uh, the municipal campus that we did it on had uh, former school property that served as the municipal uh, uh, municipal center. A lot of the uh, outdoor pool, indoor pool, several athletic fields. That was adjacent to the uh, forest, which had uh, some trails, but uh, we were interested in expanding those trails. That was adjacent to the uh, water district land, which was power line, um, hills, uh, some forests, some open fields, and that was adjacent to the private golf course, uh, which, uh, and, and so each of those pieces presented slightly different geography of interest to the participants and slightly different opportunities in terms of erecting a temporary structure in one part, digging mud pits in another part, uh, erecting, you know, more modest, uh, less environmentally impactful um, obstacles like the hay bale uh, tunnels that people navigate through. Uh, so it was a pretty diverse campus with three or four different public and private parcels, all of which had different characteristics. But was it, would it be considered, those areas would be considered like active recreation as opposed to passive recreation? Um, no, I, I mean, I guess, again, that was a definitional discussion that happened last night, what mm -hmm. active and passive means. I don't know if one would call golf active or passive, for example, um, but most of it, I would say, was more passive than active. The large parcel owned by the Portland Water District, for example, had never been recreated on before. So it had not been recreated on at all, was used for this purpose, and survived very nicely. The municipal campus uh, with athletic fields and indoor and outdoor pools Again, you know, had youth soccer and those kinds of things on it. Um, the forest was certainly passive recreation. Um, our forest wasn't used for, you know, ATVs or motorcycles or even dirt bikes. It was mostly walking and birding and those kinds of things. Um, so depending on what your definition was, I would say it ran from active, if we can call golf active, to <laughs> passive on the other three uh, mm -hmm. parcels. And how much restoration was necessary for the um, areas affected by the causes? The, really, the biggest piece of restoration uh, was in the areas where they dug the mud pits. Mm -hmm. um, and so they, they did actual excavation, and with the excavated materials, built the humps of mud that people navigate over. Uh, and so those areas were obviously substantially disturbed uh, with heavy machinery uh, and required the largest amount of restoration. Mm -hmm. The golf course, for example, some of which uh, had the big uh, wooden walls that people have to scale with teammates, uh, frankly, uh, three days later looked like it had never been run on. Mm -hmm. um, and those were, you know, typical golf fairways. Um, 
in the Portland Water District land with all the hills, that was the hilly part of the course. Uh, some of the valleys at the base of the hills accumulated water, natural water, rainwater before the event, and so the runners going through there churned that up and created some um, muddy wetlands that lasted longer than they might have had they not been run through. Uh, mm -hmm. But again, they, uh, they dealt with that and restored that, and it dried out eventually. So um, everything, uh, as I say, was either restored to its original condition or improved upon, and some of the improvement um, activity occurred on the golf course mostly uh, where in exchange for hosting the event uh, the golf course owner got some work done by the machines that were there to do the restorations of the of the pits uh, so again it was a very positive experience uh, we put together a pretty elaborate group of private and public landowners and executed land use agreements with each of them um, and debrief the event naturally with all the municipal department heads and private landowners in the wake of both events and there just were no uh, there was no negative feedback at all was it um, early spring middle of the summer late summer when did you have it uh, we actually did two tough mudders and something called a mudarella uh, which is an all-women's race um, and I think the women's race was late spring as I recall and both mm -hmm. of the tough mudders were either late summer or early fall um, and on this map that we have um, the proposed scene I, I it looks like a recreation department, the recreation area. It's a ball field, and it looks like it looks like they might be those like soccer fields or something. Yeah, like let, that. let me explain that because I, I I don't want anybody to be misled about that. So mm -hmm. the 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 areas those just to identify the areas that are uh, the, the 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 definition of the areas that are going to be where the trails are going to go. But the, but one thing that's really important for everybody to know here is that the um, the actual. Um, um, the, the actual event itself will not actually traverse any of the ball fields. I mean, they, that was one of the requirements of the recreation departments that they would stay, out, stay away from the ball fields, mm -hmm. so, and, and they would not interfere with their ongoing programs throughout the summer. So that was another that was another mm -hmm. important piece that, that the that the recreation commission had requested. Okay, mm -hmm. <clears throat> Bill, could you like generally describe the route that this mud is going to take? You know, sure. not total specifics obviously because we don't know them yet where it starts where it goes through where it continues through and where it ends sure well let me just kind of get to the, the actual map itself here yeah. I, I, I can give you, you know, a general answer which Bill can elaborate on but as I understand that there's kind of a three-part campus here so mm -hmm. it's Gillette Stadium is the beginning and the end um, and in the beginning and the end of all of the Tough Mudders, they have something called a Mudder Village where they do mini mudder courses for children of participants and spectators, and they have, you know, the places to shower off from the mud and to buy T-shirts and, you know, those kinds of things. They have the stalls where they kick off four or 500 people at a time in waves. Um, and so the three-part campus would have them leave Gillette um, and traverse the lane property, the recreation land, uh, Payson area, and then finish back at Gillette. And they do kind of circuitous loops, switchbacks to be able to get the 10 or 11 mile course in and they lay out the 20 plus obstacles throughout those 10 miles of switchbacks. 
And so they're going to be traversing um, North Street quite a bit. Yeah, there are a, a couple of places where it traverses North Street yeah. uh, and Payson Road, for that matter. So um, there were just there were there were two clo two locations that were pointed out to me today by by the by the sponsor of the program. So are we closing North Street and Payson Road? I don't or? know if we need to close it. I don't think that's required. I think there just has to be obviously there has to be a crossing person there to make sure they get through. So no, I, I like it in no different than than the, than the uh, Pamass Challenge where they don't close streets but they allow people to, to cross. Okay. <clears throat> what, do you, what do you anticipate for the spacing of, of the athletes? I mean, you're going to have you're going to have so many thousands of people start at once. I don't know if it's going to be a. Is, is, is it, so you, a, you might know better, but is it is it a stage start? I know it's a very disciplined process, and uh, interestingly, I forget who said it last night or who asked about it last night. But somebody asked a question about you know the the town this size being able to host this many people, and interestingly, uh, my hope was that the economic impact to some of the downtown businesses, like an ice cream shop, for example, was going to be better than it was, but. Their athletes, and so they weren't consuming a lot of hot fudge Sundays, for example. So, <laughs> some of the businesses said, "Is it over? Did it even happen?" You know, it, uh, because they're very disciplined. They issue their start times, uh, and you get assigned uh, a group to go off with. And I think the number is usually someplace between 300 and 500 uh, in each wave, and they spread those waves out over the course of a you know seven-hour day of starts. And then, of course, the day is slightly longer than that because of the time it takes people to finish it. Um, but we parked 3,500 vehicles or whatever it was on farm fields adjacent to the prison, uh, and people did exactly as they were told. They showed up in waves to park, went and participated. Most of them are serious athletes that do this uh, as a hobby, and they left when they finished the course, went back to the cars and drove away, and you know, another 500 comes. So it was uh, from a traffic management point of view and a public safety point of view, the process by virtue of the way they sell the tickets and issue you a start time was very orderly. Yeah, the, the, the reason for the question is, you know, the size of the obstacles. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you know are you going to, are they going to build a, a mud pit for, you know, 500 mm -hmm. people running through it at the same time? Mm -hmm. You know, they, so it, it's... They, it's they generally do, and the, the, really the challenge that they face... Uh, which is important for the course mm -hmm. designers is they they don't want to s set the course up in a way where the obstacles that create backups are too close together because there's some of them like the wall uh, which you have mm -hmm. to traverse with a team for example most teams take a long time to get over that obstacle and so you don't want to have that one back to back with another one that requires a long time to get over or you start to have people backing up on the course so they the course designers have that all figured out from experience and try and space those things out um, but again are willing to make accommodations as was discussed mm -hmm. last night so that they may have three of the more environmentally um, simple obstacles together on the lane property which they might not want to do normally they might not want to have three easy obstacles together but they've offered to do that to be deferential to everybody involved In this agreement, um, where it mentions venue, are they talking Gillette Stadium? Are they talking the Lane property? Are they talking Payson Road? It, it, it's strictly the, the venue in this case would be all the town properties. All the town so, properties. Because uh, they would have to do a, execute a separate agreement with, with Gillette Stadium. So in this venue, in this agreement, it says we are to provide on-site <coughs> parking. Venue shall ensure there are designated parking areas 
So where is the and, parking? And, and the parking be? is at Payson, Mason Road. If you can see, uh, the, if you look at the map on the on your for on all your, of the participants. No, not for all of them. It's just it's actually the other the other idea would be to have some of the participants park it at Gillette Stadium as well. So there's going to be you know, there'll be several parking areas. The majority of parking we anticipate would be at Gillette Stadium. So that's the beginning and the end, anyway. Right. Correct. Right. Is that where the village would be? Right. So. I guess since what's important to note here is that if Gillette Stadium decides they don't want to do this, it's not likely we're going to be able to do this at the whole of that. So they have not confirmed their position on it yet. They, they, they're studying it. They're evaluating just like we are, and uh, they're waiting to, uh, to, uh, to, to make their final decision on it. Okay, because it also states there would be, and I was at the meeting last night, and I know there's no spectators at all at Lane property, right. but it states in here that they're allowed to sell alcohol, food, all that merchandise at the venue. So is all that going to take place at Payson? Well, they, they're allowed to, but the question is, they, I mean, anything would have to be, it would have to be occurred with a, with a license and a permit to and do there, so. There won't be any sales on town property. Right. They always do that at the Mutter Village, they call it, which will right. be at the start and the finish. So they don't do anything along the route, so there won't be anything on town property. So there's really no need for them to even have parking at any of the town two venues. Well, I think they might they may need the parking in the town venues for maybe staffing or volunteers, things of that nature. Or spectators because spectators, the yeah, spectators. eliminating yeah. spectators from the lane property and having the kind of obstacles that they will have at the lane property, which are not the kind of obstacles most spectators want to watch uh, if they have the difficult team wall and some of those things uh, on the Payson Road property, then spectators may go park there because it's closer to the action that they want to see. Mm -hmm. And then one other question on this agreement with the insurance for the venue. Are we, is the town covered for all of that? Right, but they actually have to provide the coverage for us as well. It says here, venue shall at its own cost and expense obtain insurance coverage for the event at the following amounts. It says here in this agreement that the venue should well, we, the town is already covered as it is, but they would have to provide their own coverage in addition to that. Then it will put we be named they we be named additionally insured in their property on their event. All right, so going back to the the three different venues, so the stadium hasn't decided one way or the other if they're in or they're not. They, they, they have not formally approved yet, as we that we know. It would make sense too that if the, the town can't do this, I, I don't imagine that they would. I can't imagine they would want to approve it if they, if they, the town can't do it either. So it's it's since we have two, we have the, the largest amount of track in terms of the actual course itself. It wouldn't make sense for them to approve it unless the track itself or the course could be could be approved. So I understand that. It says also that the venue, you know, the town has to provide barricades. And bicycle racks and all that. We don't. We don't have those. Um, we do Is have barricades. Um, so we don't have any bicycle racks, though. They would have to. So, you know, we would have to negotiate that. Those are terms that we could have to provide for them if they uh, negotiate with them on that. So all I'm asking the board to do is this: is the these are the terms as we see them right now. We still have to sit, uh, put together a list of things that we still want to negotiate with them on to get to finalize the agreement. So. Um, I don't know uh, what yeah. that language referred to, Jenny, either, because yeah. we, we didn't have any um, we didn't have any. any bike racks at all. Yeah, I think it's on page uh, three. 
I think we do have bike racks in some locations, I, but not, that's very it's, limited. It's yeah. like, you know, floodlights. If you get floodlights, we can use your floodlights, you know, barricades, mm -hmm. internet yeah. service. Maybe just know. a standard. I, yeah, I, this, I didn't see one bicycle like, on the whole. What this sounds like is, a, is standard a standard contract that that actually things would apply to, like, the stadium. You know, that, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. That's, I mean, this is mm – -hmm. yeah. I, don't, I don't think it really – Applies to our situation in, in many ways, yeah. you know. We, we can, but with those are issues we can we can resolve. I mean, yeah. I'll, I've been working with town council to try and finalize an agreement. But I, certainly, if there are things in here that, that cause angst to any member of the board, I'd, I'd want to know that so I can address that. Those points. Well, I, I think my biggest concern is is the. I mean, okay, recreation department. You've made you've made your um, concerns known. You can't use the fields. Blah blah blah. All that stuff. Okay, you're, you're covered. Okay. Yes, we're seated at the table. We've made our right, and out. and your fields won't be damaged, so that in the fall, when soccer or lacrosse right. or whenever they're, they'll be okay. That, it's going to be the berms and yeah. the outside areas. Okay. So we're comfortable. Okay, CRO set. Mm -hmm. I think my concern is is the lane property, and mm -hmm. and um, I, I imagine you would be going to enter the lane property. You'd be going down the. Uh, Little road there. What's um, La Pro La Pro La no, 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 but from the stadium. Access road? The access road, yeah. Putnam, that, that is, Putnam that Way? Is Putnam Way into La Prelate. Yeah, yeah, okay. So then you would be going into the lane property, and that's, pre that's pretty narrow. That's a pretty narrow entrance. And, 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 I mean, but we not were all just ten thousand people are going to go through. Yeah. No, I, I know, but even even, but but even if you get a hundred people or fifty people going at the same time, there's still a lot of people who aren't don't realize how. I don't want to use the word sacred, but we just a few months ago we just dedicated that area as a very sensitive, passive recreation area, and that's my concern. These guys are going to be coming like gangbusters. But not over the not over the air that's just been improved. That's that's the key. So I think Well that's you know, that's my what's yeah. the entrance into the lane park? The area that they, they would traverse would be the area that's gonna be paved. I think coming up probably within the next few weeks that's gonna get paved, finished paved. So where is that? That's on the Prolet Road. So they would go that and then up through the the, the, uh, the trail that would go back into the, the back area towards the dam and, and the and the backlands, the back fields. So they that that's a dirt road that already exists. That's the one, like with this pack, and you go up this way. Yeah, that's right. So you'd be avoiding those those fields, those grass fields. Well, you go eventually. Near you'd, where the you'd enter in the, on the, in the end, you, in, the, in the as part of the course, you would actually traverse those areas. But but your, your entrance into the into the property would be on that on that, that existing dirt road. Which right? Yes. Which will be paved at that time. Uh, up to the up to the sh up to the uh, the new yeah whatever zone. whatever's paved now exactly. will stay paved whatever's right. not paved won't be paved right. but when, when I actually walked it with a representative of Tough Mudder with recreation and conservation and they had no desire to enter any of those areas that we just developed where the mm -hmm. sitting areas are that was of no interest to them so it would be going up La Prelate maybe taking a right where the parking lot is it's all, it's all the uh, reclaimed asphalt or going straight uh, but bypass by, bypass the areas that we just worked on mm -hmm. so. okay. Doc has a question um, mm -hmm. could we um, station volunteers and 
um, throughout the lane property oh, during sure. the event to make sure people don't take wrong turns or step in areas we don't want them to step in? Part of the, uh, part of the, the, the process is that they have several volunteers that, are, that work in, in conjunction with the entire event. You know, they wear, you know, T-shirts or whatever the case may be that, that identify, similar to, to Pan Mass, yeah. where they, they have people stationed along the way to help guide people through so they don't get lost or if the, to keep people off of sensitive areas. And they do use, uh, my experience is they use snow fencing and other techniques to mm -hmm. corral people. If there's areas where you're really worried about having to corral people, they'll, you know, they'll make that clear with the erection of snow fence, for example. Yeah. And, and, you know, and going back to the 10,000 people, I know it scares some people when you say 10,000 people are going to go through, but, you know, th there are sections where they, like when we went, we, you have a number, you have a band, you check in at a certain time, and there's, there are, I don't know if they're paid or volunteers, but between the fencing and the people, um, a lot of times we're only shoulder to shoulder two people, maybe three. When it's it's almost like a jog in between the stations, mm -hmm. so it's, it's, it was never ten people wide just going through. It was it was pretty pretty. I was pretty surprised. It was pretty yeah. controlled. I find that to be true because I, I did the Pan Mass Challenge four times, and it's rare that you run along that route where you're with a bunch bunch of riders. It was always pretty strung out mm -hmm. once once it starts. The only the only beginning the beginning was the most difficult part. When people start that race, but yeah. it's actually different in this case because it's actually timed out. Mm -hmm. So you have so it's a much different type of approach. Yeah. Another question, if I might, um, Jim, if, if I could put you on the spot for a quick sec. You obviously ran one. Um, what were your thoughts? You went, did the one up in Vermont? Yeah, we did yeah. up in Vermont. Um, as my group did it for two years. I, I just did it the, this last. It was third week of June. Mm -hmm. um, it was uh, you run a couple miles. For first you get there, they they are disciplined about checking you in, and it's all online and everything. So when you go, they give you the pep talk, lay, lay out all the rules about helping each other, and then certain groups go at a certain time. And then after, in a lot of people that I ran with, half of them had run before, half of them didn't. So within the first mile, the people that have never run it before were out of shape, <coughs> kind of trail to the back and the people that ran it before so it, it naturally you just get a line you know you just because not everyone's equal on their abilities so you kind of run unobstructed for a mile or two then you come up to an event and as chief had said some of the events are you go under a plastic pipe and then come out the other side so it's one 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 no lines you go another couple miles and it might be an event where it's a family a, uh, group event where you can't get to the top unless you do a human pyramid or something so then that takes a little bit longer um, some events had no spectators, other ones had spectators, but it was it was very well run. Um, when I ran it, it actually rained at like 3 in the morning downpoured, so there was a lot of mud. The year before, there was no mud, but it was made at just at those events. Um, where we ran it, it was along steep ski trails or narrow ones that went around, um, and I think it was probably the fifth year that they've done it. It was actually, they felt it there at Mount Snow uh, eight years. Eight years, yeah. And they've had nine events there. Yeah, and I think they use pretty much the same trails, you know, the, the same, because mm -hmm. the people that I went with that had done it the year before said, oh, the next one's coming up, so they knew exactly where it was. But there was no erosion. There was no, you know, mud all over the place. It was, it was pleasantly, you know, muddy just in the areas that you wanted it. Um, and then when you finish it, 
Um, it's all controlled at the beginning and the end, so they check your numbers and they give you, you know, bands and stuff like that, and you can buy T-shirts. You get a headband, so yeah. you finished it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, and, but there was, you know, there were there were golf carts that went around. If if you if someone was injured, there was a medic there pretty quickly. Uh, the communi- communication was good, um, so it was uh, it was a, you know, it was a good experience to go through. So. Do do we have to provide the medical and the uh, if they, any any events uh, anything that requires medical or police uh, time they 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 actually cover those costs, so they they pay us they would reimburse us for those costs. But but it would be our people. They don't bring they don't they I don't have hire a, a medical director uh, unless things have changed. They have a medical a national medical director that works with typically the fire chief and with physicians at area hospitals to put a medical tent together. Uh, so they have a medical tent. In our case, was staffed by volunteer physicians from Maine Medical Center, along with our fire and EMS personnel, mm-hmm. and they paid for our fire and EMS personnel. The doctors volunteered their time, and the national medical director for the organization oversaw the medical tent. We've had a lot of questions here tonight. My question is, why is Chief Baker answering the questions? Why isn't someone from Tough Mudder here? Um, there's no particular reason for that. It's just the fact that we we know that uh, he's had experience with dealing with it in his previous role. Um, you know, they, they we've talked to them throughout the uh, past several weeks. Um, they're actually located in New York, so I mean, so for them to come out is not a big deal. But they actually one of the persons actually he's from this region area. He actually looks he grew up in this area, but he works in New York. So um, I thought we could answer the questions. There wasn't a, a real reason to. Bring anybody out if, if that, unless the board wanted me to do so. But um, yeah, I just the with Mr. Frank Weekly mm-hmm. from the Tough Letter organization, maybe yeah. in Medination, mm-hmm. um, we took the walk as well. So um, he is, to my knowledge, available mm-hmm. and, and right. able to, to answer questions. But I, I understand what you're, what you're saying. We just have the opportunity to meet Mr. Weekly. Mm-hmm. And Kate has, met, has talked with them directly as well from uh, from the organization. So. And I'm happy yes. to tell you about my discussions, which answer some of the questions that have been raised already. I could take, I could take um, Jane met with Frank Wheatley. Frank Wheatley, yeah. yeah. Um, I think they did a brief walk in the GPS the area just mm-hmm. to get an idea of what, you know, what is it. Mm-hmm. Um, which led to more questions, and then he actually came to our conservation meeting about four weeks ago mm-hmm. to explain what they did, what they can do, what the restoration is, mm-hmm. which led up to last night's meeting, which we had more questions, mm-hmm. uh, concerns. So they did the small presentation. Just for the record, I'd rather be here talking about crime and punishment, but I happen to have the experience and got to ask, so I was trying to be a good soldier and answer the question, but I'm happy to retreat to the back of the room. Good evening, Mr. Chairman, members of the Board of Selectmen. Um, I reviewed the venue agreement, had conversation with uh, Mr. Wheaton from Tough Mudder and and Bill. Yeah, and he's the one that's from this area. I had about 12 comments on the initial agreement. Some of the things that are of concern to the town were already addressed, like restoration, and they've got a provision that says the property will be restored to pre-event condition. They also already had a provision that said the Conservation Commission would determine the exact layout of the design, and we talked about that further last night. The Commission would have to look at any sensitive areas on the property 
and specifically restrict them. So not only would we have the snow fencing, there would be a plan that all the volunteers and workers would know what the areas are that are either wetland resource areas or um, vernal pools or other sensitive areas where there are things the commission has the obligation to protect. So that's in the agreement. There were a few other things. Oh, insurance was one of the things that was raised. They have a general liability, or the town has a general liability policy that would cover you, but they also have an additional, it's section 12.4 of the venue agreement, that they would add you as an additional insured on their policy. Um, section 5.1 talks about course design. Section 6.3D, if you want to look at the agreement. Do you all have copies of the agreement? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, in addition to that, I looked at, because a lot of the, first of all, the Conservation Commission had questions, so I looked at the deed restriction to the lane property. And later, or last night, there were questions that were raised about the deed restriction with respect to the property. The two concerns mainly were vehicles being parked on the property and other damage just from the number of people on the property. The definitions of passive recreation and active recreation have been addressed in statutes and in case law, meaning court decisions. Basically, the difference is structures. Passive recreation is defined in various environmental statutes, and there actually is an opinion of the Attorney General from 1972. The, the, the citation is 45 OPS, Attorney General 1972 to 1973, that says if you build something, if you build a structure on a conservation property, such as a swimming pool, a tennis court, or bleachers for a field or stadium, then it should be changed through the legislature to be recreation land rather than conservation. But skiing, walking, hiking, um, in, in parking lots in order to allow people to access properties to do things like that are considered passive recreation. Even if it's lots of people running through, even if there is some temporary damage, that's passive recreation. So the concerns from the deed restriction about this being active recreation, I think, is addressed by the fact that Tough Mudder has told us they're not putting any structures on this property. And one of the types of structures, and I can't speak to all of the obstacles. I don't know what types of things they're going to do. I have not done one. Um, but one of the things that came up last night that one of the Conservation Commission members who happens to be a forester said is a typical Tough Mudder event would be a pile of logs. And she considers that healthy for a forest and not something, or, or for a field, and not something that's going to cause damage. The other part of the deed restriction that was at issue that was a, of great concern, I think we've already addressed, but I'll just add my two cents, is the parking of vehicles or the driving of vehicles on the property. They're only going to park maybe a few vehicles along that one road. There are no spectators, and Gillette Stadium is where it starts and ends, so that's where people are going to park who are participating in the event. And the deed restriction, it doesn't prohibit parking or vehicular access on the property at all. It just limits the areas where it's going to, where they're allowed to be and for certain amounts of time. So I think that's been addressed, you know, provided Tough Mudder sticks to what they've said they're going to. And then my final point is just that some of the additional things like Selectman uh, Coppola raised, such as the barricades and bicycles, we can certainly take out, and I think they would be amenable to further changes to the venue agreement because... They've all, as I said, they've already made changes that we've recommended to it. So they also they also um, had a provision that they would, and I don't can't remember remember whether it said you had to provide a structure or 
like trailers or something, for them to store equipment from one year to the next. Now, this is a five-year agreement. Where are those going to go? And, and they have to be secure. We, we are responsible for making them secure. So I imagine if you have temporary, you have the obstacles, and they're built, they're built and they can use that, that materials over for the, next, for the next year or the next five years, whatever. Mm -hmm. They're not going to throw that stuff away. They're going to store it. And it's right in here that says we're responsible to provide a location or is it for, mm -hmm. for storage. Okay, my question is where is that going to go? I thought it was just a one-year agreement. Yeah, just a one. It's a one-year. This is a one-year. Uh, yeah, it's one, -year, one year, so we, they won't have to be storing yeah. things. Yeah, from but, year but, if, year. but if after this one year, people say, they, "Oh, this was great. Let's do it again." So the answer to that was then that, that was something we'd have, we'd have to figure out at that point. because I know the answer to that at this point. Right? But I think, you know, there were there are a couple answers to that question. One would be if we work with our partners at Gillette in that case, because they, there's, there's areas in the back where they can actually store things that they store throughout the year mm -hmm. for their their events. So perhaps we could use that. That's maybe one answer. There's maybe areas that we could store on, on, on some of our, of our properties that, that wouldn't be obtrusive to anything. So I don't know the answer to that at this point, yeah. but, 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 it, I mean, that's but if it came up to that, to if, if that happens, we'd have to address that. Okay. Any other questions from the board? No. Nope. All right. Before I, I – thanks, Kate. Thank you. Um, before I let uh, members of the Erickson uh, Lane family – uh, I just want to read a, read a letter from uh, Attorney Jeff Lovely. Uh, I want to read it into the record. Uh, this was uh, addressed to Foxborough Conservation Commission. Uh, Dear Sir Madams, uh, I represent Clifford Allen and Edie Erickson, heirs of the Lane family, which conveyed the Lane property to the Town of Foxborough Conservation Commission in 1988. That conveyance was subject to multiple... Uh, conservation covenants and restrictions, the clear intent of which was to limit future use, uses of the site to passive recreation and the enjoyment of nature. Despite those detailed restrictions, my clients have recently learned of a proposal to host part of a Tough Mudder event on the Lane property. This type of event involves participants navigating various obstacles, walls, and mud pits. Such an event will violate the terms of the restrictions and damage the property. Accordingly, my clients oppose the concept of locating the course or any part of the course for this event on the Lane property as it violates the terms of the conservation covenants and restrictions. In particular, the erection of new structures with the exception of certain structures detailed in the restrictions, including, for example, a nature center, is expressly prohibited by the restriction. If you re refer to the Tough Mudder website and media, you will see that the courses created for these events consist primarily of various substantial above-ground structures climbing apparatus, walls, pools, mud pits, and the like that are clearly structures and therefore cannot be constructed on the lane property. Similarly, these, the use of vehicles and equipment necessary to erect and remove the structures is clearly prohibited by the restrictions as well. The entry fee for Tough Mudder events appears to be between $100 and $150 per participant. It would appear that much of this cost is for the permitting, erection, and removal of the multiple structures built for each event. Please note my client's firm opposition to this proposal. Unfortunately, due to the short notice period and time of year, many members of the Lane family are traveling or otherwise unavailable to advance their concerns at tonight's hearing. Accordingly, we insist that you deny the, the proposal. Thank you. Very truly yours, Jeffrey M. Lovely. So I just want to read that into the record, um, and I'll open up to any members of the Erickson Lane family that have any questions or comments or anything to add? <laughs> well, 
too. I'm not a lame descendant, a relative, or anything like that. But I will say, Annette will Can you come up to sure. Can you come up to the microphone, please? I just got to talk to you. 163 South Street. Um, first of all, the idea of eight to 10,000 people running in Foxborough and the amount of volume that we're going to have is scary and has to deal with. Going to the lane property, running on passive recreational um, uh, forest is absurd. It's, it's a sacred place and should be preserved. Um, I know that we have to support the economy. Patriot Place, the football games, we support and promote a lot. What is our payola from having it as a town? Do we get $2 a ticket? Do we make any money on it? Gillette's smart. They say, hey, we'll negotiate afterwards. They're going to make money on it. We put up with everything. We get nothing. Why are we doing this? I don't want it. Do I, am I you know, I have my son, I've watched my son participate in marathons and triathlons. When those people are running, they're scary. And I can remember my son getting hit by a car on a biking thing because they were in the street. These are tough. And, oh, God, swimming in the lake, you're going to drown because they'll knock you over. Um, this is not an activity that I want to see. This is not something that Foxbow needs to do. We get no money from it. We get harassment. Why are we doing this? Any answers? What? <laughs> well, I, I think there's, there is an economic impact uh, yeah, to the community. Patriot Place, they provide a lot of economic impact. Well, so, so do other businesses Yeah, but in this run-run for eight to 10,000 people, we get nothing from it. But it's actually not true, ma'am. All right, and, 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 the, and the reason, it's a ripple effect in terms of the economy. So everybody that stays in a hotel actually pays a tax to the town. It goes back to the town. Everybody who, who's, who buys a meal here is a tax that comes back to the town. Everybody who has a drink, an alcohol drink, is a tax that comes back to the town. So there's a significant economic How impact. How much do you think that amounts to? Five thousand? Uh, no, no, it's significantly higher than that, ma'am. Yeah. It's uh, I can I, tell you that. I, I feel it's, it's significantly, significantly as a higher. I feel as a citizen. Significantly higher. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's I okay. apologize. Okay, um, but as a citizen, I have to put. I deal with Patriot Place. You get lots of money from it. Enough. I don't want any more money by running a race. And it's all kind of ancillary. Um, let them go someplace else. We don't need them. Thank you. Thank you. So we, we have we have races uh, that come through our town with with ten thousand people coming through the streets. Harvard one does. The, 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 you know, finish up to fifty. Yeah, that's right. And there's also, if, if you want to see the economic impact of that, you can actually go on the website and they actually describe it. It's, it's significant dollars to the regional economies that it affects. Um, and I can tell you, based on uh, the chief, what the chief experience up in Maine, it was a regional economic impact, not just limited to just Foxborough, but for the entire region. Because the, the number of hotel spaces that are needed are not just going to be limited to Foxborough, but just to, to the entire area, because <laughs> obviously there's a lot of rooms that will be, have to be need, needed for that. 
Um, my name is Daniel Lane. I'm the son of Calvin Lane, the grandson of Edith and Clifford Lane. I live at 3310 Town Hill Road, East Montpelier, Vermont. And I'm down here to talk to you about this tonight because this race is a horrible idea for the Lane property. This is not the intent that the deed was set up to work with. It has potential to irreparably harm the landscape. All tonight, I've heard people talk time again. The town manager, the police chief, talk about how, you know, it'll be set up so that any damages will be repaired. How do you repair a hundred years of preserved land, the damage on a hundred years of preserved land with a bulldozer or whatever else they might use? You don't. All right? The plants, the animals, everything else is going to suffer. I happen to live in Vermont. Mount Stowe is in my backyard. Stowe is a resort that is set up to run these types of events all the time. They have trails. They have machines running over them throughout the year, summer, winter, fall, and spring. The only time they don't run machines is during mud season. Because in mud season, that's when the land gets damaged the most. And if you talk to the um, Vermont Trail Association, you talk to the people who run the long trail, they ban hikers from walking trails during mud season because of the intense ecological damage that happens when even a few people walk along a trail. You can't walk your dog, let alone this idea of 10,000 people running across the Lane Homestead property. You know, what if it rains for a week before this happens, or the day of, or the day before? That damage from water and mud is going to be magnified tenfold. You can't repair that. You can't. I don't have anything against Tough Mudder competitions at all, really. But on the Lane Homestead property, that should not happen. It's not what my father and his siblings intended when they signed the deed. Have you all read the deed? Have you read the restrictions in the deed? Have, have you studied those restrictions? You should, but you don't really have to because they're crystal clear. They were written that way to be in crystal clear. The restrictions are reasonable. They're clear and they're enforceable. There's not a lot of room for interpretation of deciding, well, you know, let's, let's do this, let's do that in the land. Let's build a structure here, build a structure there, and then just take it away. The deed restricts that because there are exceptions to the restrictions that are in place. And those exceptions are highly, highly, highly detailed. You read through the deed and you'll see this. For instance, docks are to be limited to 25, 20 feet by 5 feet, and you can only have three of them, or a picnic pavilion. If you want to build one, it can only hold one picnic table. Now, before I came here today, I took the opportunity to walk the property, saw many of my favorite places, um, but I have to say, when I first got out of the car, I was greeted with a great irony. There's a sign, and, and, and by the way, the work that the Conservation Commission did on building the new park right at the entrance to the property is absolutely gorgeous. 
it's the right intended use of the property where you have places for passive recreation, you have a deck, you have picnic tables, you have trails, but the sign read, to the residents of Foxborough, this is your land, enjoy, do not destroy. And I thought to myself, this is crazy. I'm coming before the Board of Selectmen tonight to talk, a board that my grandfather sat on, and I have to defend the Lane Homestead property from being destroyed through pure greed. There's no reason for this to happen. There really isn't. Run the course elsewhere. Don't run it on the Lane Homestead property. You're destroying this for future generations. You really are. And you're, you're also you're dishonoring and you're breaking the agreement that was made between the Lane family and the Board of Conservation, I'm sorry, the Conservation Commission in 1988. Read that deed carefully. It, it spells out that the trails that are intended, there's one recreation, one exercise trail that is intended to be limited to the 500 feet on the northern side of the property. And then there's also part of a restriction that says there are unrestricted foot trails. The intention there is that people will, if they're going to run on the property, it's going to be limited to one space. It's not carte blanche to run through the property as you see fit. doesn't matter if you put up snow fence. People are going to run anywhere. They're going to destroy it. They really are. And it goes against the deed. It really does. I urge you to read that deed carefully, read those restrictions, read the exceptions, and again, the deed is crystal clear, the restrictions are reasonable, and the deed restrictions are enforceable, either in the courts or in the court of public opinion. So please, as you know from my letter and from my sister's letter, please vote against this tonight and do not allow this to happen on the Lane Homestead property. I'm happy to take any questions. Questions? Yeah, read the, read the letters. Yep. So. No, we're all in receipt of letters. That letter from, um, I was at the yeah. Conservation Commission, as a number of, number of us were last night. Was that letter that Jeff Lovely wrote, did it say cease and desist? No. 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 What? It was represented by, the, by the, uh, Mr. Erickson, I believe, that it was a cease and desist letter. That's not the case. First of all, you can't issue a cease and desist against the town. It's not, it's not within anybody's authority to do that. This, this letter that I read into the record is the same letter that, that was, was exactly read in last, okay. last night. Questions? No questions. No questions. Okay. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. So, Chairman, it's, it's been stated a couple times already, and I just want to clarify this. There are no structures being built on the lane property. I, I want to be crystal clear about that because that's been stated in Mr. Lovell's letter and, and by the previous speaker. There are no structures being built on the lane property. Yeah, I, I think, that's, I that's think some of the, they've, they've gone on the website and they see the, the right. walls and the exactly. mud pits. And, no, I get that. Hi, Mr. Chairman, board, Alan Erickson, <clears throat> speaking on behalf of 91 North Street, Edith Erickson. Uh, myself and my brother, uh, Cliff Erickson, um, all descendants of the Lanes. Thanks for coming out in this balmy autumn evening. <laughs> um, I'm going to read prepared remarks. I'm not planning on taking questions. 
My name is Alan Erickson, also speaking on behalf of Edith Erickson and Cliff Erickson. Graduate of Foxborough High School, Eagle Scout of Troop 7 and descendant of the Lanes, and many other residents of Rock Hill Cemetery. Stretching all the way back to the Comeys, one of the founding families and incorporation back in 1778. I'd like the record to reflect that I support the Tough Mudder happening in Foxborough. I support initiatives to get people outdoors, and I think it's great that the town promotes fun, engaging activities. I'm opposed to the Tough Mudder utilizing land that the town explicitly agreed would not be used for active recreation. That said, the town's rationale to pursue this event is weak at best, meaningless at worst. The economic impacts and benefits are entirely unclear. Foxborough has 16,693 residents. The other towns mentioned to promote the potential economic benefits have significantly smaller populations and significantly smaller catchment areas and are each resort destination towns for the event. Loudoun, New Hampshire, population 5,317. Dover, Vermont, population 1,410. Stowe, Vermont, population 4,314. These are not comparable towns and they are not reliable sources to extrapolate potential economic uplift from. It was noted at the Conf Conservation Commission meeting last night that the F. Gilbert Hills State Forest would far and away be the most amazing venue for this type of run. The reason they haven't pursued it? Because it's complicated. If they can't put together a compelling case for the state, why is using Foxborough's public lands the easier target? Because Foxborough won't be as tough, won't ask as many questions? But these are the minor issues. A major issue is that among the Conservation Commission, there were lots of discussions on the environmental impact. And although the law may not require an impact study, the fact that the Conservation Commission would approve such an impactful event without having some experts complete an assessment of the potential effects could very nearly be approaching willful negligence. I hope you're seriously concerned about this. But there is a deeper, even bigger, real issue, and the real issue is trust. You, the selectmen, the seats that you hold, and the body you represent are the ones who purchased the lane land in 1988. You may, in fact, be different individuals, but you collectively, in effect, signed the deed in 1988 yourselves. After my great-grandmother died, I vividly recall sitting around the supper table listening to and participating in conversations regarding what to do with the land. The choice was not an easy one. Sell the land to the developers for twice as much money, or attempt to preserve the Foxborough that Clifford needed Lane loved, agrarian, woodsy, rural, but accessible, by taking less money and adhering to values, true, old-fashioned values. Some of the descendants and heirs voiced their concerns. What if the town decides to build on it? What if the town wants to put soccer fields on it? What if the town wants to dot, dot, dot? So, as lawyers do, they crafted a document to address the concerns. And you, as the Board of Selectmen does, you agreed to those concerns. The basic premise, the intent of the document, was that the land would remain materially unaltered for 50 years. Specific rights for specific vehicles to specific places. Limitations on structures. Not, quote, permanent structures, as I heard people saying last night, just structures. Various rights to enhance the passive recreation experience for 50 years. We, as descendants, accepted this. It was to give us time to grow away from the land and for the land to naturally grow away from us. You, the Board of Selectmen, the chairs you are sitting in now, 29 years ago, you understood those concerns and you understood the benevolent monetary sacrifice the Lane Estate was making. And you, the Board of Selectmen, agreed that the land would not be used in any manner, in any number of ways, for any number of purposes. And you were grateful to the Lanes for their generosity, 
and there was much rejoicing. 29 years later, you've been misled. Not only does this event not comply with the letter of the deed, which you agreed in 1988, it clearly doesn't comply with the spirit of generosity and sacrifice borne by my family when we agreed to let the town have the land below market value for nature conservancy. What we care about is that Foxborough honors its commitment to the people who were generous to it. Foxborough needs to honor its commitments to the people who helped make the town what it is. So really the issue is about the law and about trust. My non-legal summary of contract law is that it tends to focus on three things. The letter of the contract, the intent of the contract, and litigation to settle disputes. At this stage, you've done what any prudent party would. You've turned to your counsel for guidance. Your lawyer is wrong, ours are correct. The selectmen and the descendants of the Lane family are parties to a document with covenants that will by definition be breached by this type of event. Unequivocally, you will be breaking the letter of the contract. Beyond that, the intent of the document, the intent of both parties at creation seeps through the deed to such an extent that the idea of an active sporting event being held on the land is so far removed from the understood intent that it need not have been specifically excluded. The letter of the contract is clear. The intent of the contract is clear. The decision before you will have grave consequences in three areas, and I offer three rhetorical questions for you to consider who you are as a board. One, you are reneging on your promises as selectmen to the descendants of a town-founding family. The question being, is this the type of leadership you want to be demonstrating? Two, you will chill the potential for other families to sell land to conservation. Imagine the next people talking, dear, when we pass, should we sell our Granite Street lands to conservation? Oh, of course not. Remember the 50 years the lanes asked for? Yeah, they got 29 and the selectmen turned their backs on them. Let's build condos. The question being, how can Foxborough have a conservation program if it doesn't adhere to its end of the bargain when it acquires land? Three, your counsel is incorrect in their interpretation of the document. If you approve today, we will litigate. We have the ideology, time, wherewithal, and means to do so. The question being, is the unquantified economic benefit from the event worth sacrificing your reputations as well as the energy and costs? It certainly is to the lanes. For 25 years, you've upheld your side, 29 years, you've upheld your side of the bargain. We only have 21 to go. I ask you to please continue to honor your commitments. Your vote today isn't about having a running race in town. Your vote is a referendum on your belief in law and the rights and responsibilities of the board's ability to execute contracts in good faith, which thereby makes your vote a referendum on your character, your trustworthiness, your honor, your loyalty, and your willingness to adhere to a contract you signed in 1988, and the future of Foxborough conservation and quite literally the very nature of the town. Thank you for your understanding. I just have a question. Sure. Seems it seems like the um, it seems like the, the the problem with this tough mutter proposal is the lane property and and the use of the lane property. I mean that that's that to me is is a big concern because mm -hmm. I've mentioned it to you earlier. I mentioned it before before um, this letter was read. Is there any, does the lane property have to be used in this uh, proposal? Or, I mean, 
Why do they have to go through the lane property? Well, if, if you look at the, if you look at it from a, from a purely from a um, geographical perspective, it makes mm-hmm. all the sense in the world to, to use it because it's it's located adjacent to a place where they would they would start and end the race. Um, it is. Um, are there other areas, perhaps? But you know, it's 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 difficult to say that because you know if you went and for instance, you know it was it was represented that the that the state forest um, was not considered it was not considered for lots of good reasons because of the fact that they have it's a it's a it's a high use season for them during the summer months and actually there's a lot of people that you know use that for, for picnicking and, and for other uses other than, than this particular use. So this is a, a case where um, where this was the venue that was that made the most sense because of the fact that it is it, it actually coupled well with existing recreational land and town owned land. So taking there wasn't another privately owned parcel that would that would could be considered here. It was just the one that, that made the most sense. So you'd have to redesign the entire uh, venue in order to achieve that at this point. And then likely we would we would lose it. So I think the 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 what's being suggested here, if that if we had to redesign it, it just wouldn't happen here in the next year. But but the thing is, they came to us. We didn't go to Tough Mudder and beg them to come to the town of Foxborough. I still no. don't know how Tough Mudder came to the town of Foxborough. <laughs> but anyway, I don't remember having any discussions that please please Tough Mudder come to town of Foxborough because we need you. Didn't hear no. that at all. So and and where the town is supposed to be signing a five year contract. Not a five-year contract. Well, it's a, it's a one-year contract. Signing, it's we're a one signing year contract. a contract. So why is it that it's, it's all on their terms and not on our terms? I mean, the, the Tough Mudder concept is, is fine, but I do not think it's appropriate to use the lane property because of, of things, the reasons that were mentioned here. Well, I would just say that it's not entirely on their terms. I mean, they, they've accepted, we've accepted the, they've accepted our request for terms as we've laid out for them. So in order for that to happen here, we had to, we've given them the terms with respect to the Recreation Commission and with respect to the Conservation Commission. So if they can't meet those terms, then certainly that would not happen. Well, why can't we add another term as saying, you, I'm sorry, you, when you can't use the lane property, but see if you can figure out something else. On, on the, we have 110 acres. It's right in here. They have the use of 110 acres. Now, I don't know how much the lane property is, but I'm sure it's not 105 acres. So uh, if we uh, giving them access to 110 acres, I think, I think we could probably look to change the course. I mean, it's not like we're begging them to come here. We're actually doing them a favor if they want to come. We're doing somebody a favor for them there's, to come here. There's, there's, there's no favor. It's just it's it's it actually helps helps, well, helps it's, the, it's an event yeah, for fine, the region. Fine. So, but it's, but um, it's not like the town not like the town is begging. And I would really mm-hmm. like to maybe consider just carving out the lane property and then you know then let them let them redo the course. I I, I will tell you if if that happens. Then this event will happen in the next year. It just won't because it's just enough time. Because they they need they need a year to, to plan as well as to uh, market the, market the site. Well, so that that would be that would be that would be if I propose that I can tell you that that it won't happen here in the next year. It just only because of the planning that goes into that. You need yeah. this late this late stage. Well, the, so. well, 
I'm, may, I'm just such, such a result. You know, maybe you know they're creating. I certainly, people. I certainly can do that, but I, I, I mean, don't think it will happen. Because I think this, the lane property is. I think that is the big sticking point on on this. I know that's my concern. I mean, we look at look what we did. Schneider Electric gave a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars for the to, to for the upkeep and uh, you know to to develop the lane property. It's a beautiful, wonderful place for the the taxpayers of the town of Foxborough. The taxpayers own not only the lane property, but they own the recreation too. And and I think we're being very generous, allowing them to use recreation land too. Remember, taxpayer money has developed that land, and and you're you're going to be messing up that land too. But you know, not to the extent that I think it would be the same damages well, to the lane property. I mean, I think a lot has been said. There's been a, a, some emotional pleas made here tonight, some pretty strong emotional pleas made based upon hyperbole and, and, and conjecture. That it's all being suggested these things will happen, not necessarily being factually based. Yes. Well, through the chair, I'd be curious to hear counsel's sort of like rebuttal to what was, was a, there was a lot said just a few minutes ago, and uh, I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are uh, through the chair. Certainly. Um, the deed restriction, and I'm not going to, I debated reading you the entire thing, but it, it is clear with respect to the many things that are allowed on the property, including structures being built. Never does it mention passive recreation, and I already said what, what the difference is between passive and active recreation is structures. So there's a, there's a whole list of things that are allowed on the property um, there's even parking allowed. There are vehicles allowed. There are just limitations as to where on the specific property those things can be done. And there are, uh, the previous speaker who was speaking against my interpretation of the restriction talked about boat docks. Yes, three boat docks are allowed, not more than 20 feet long. There are details like that. But nowhere in this does it say anything about recreation, active or passive. It just talks about the things that are um, Restricted for only, you know, another 21 more years. It is just a 50-year restriction. Uh, I just scanned through it quickly again to see so if I thought there was anything. Ra rather than going been. through all the deed restrictions, yeah. in, in your opinion, is is this an allowable event on the lane property? As I said last night to the Conservation Commission, yes, provided the and this is in the agreement already, provided the course is approved by the Conservation Commission to make sure that no environmentally sensitive areas are touched, provided they have snow fences, a map showing where people are allowed to go and not, and volunteers making sure people don't trample over snow fences or go into the areas they're not supposed to. And there can be some very large areas where people are precluded from going. It's not going to be like my understanding of what Tough Mudder has told us. And again, it, it's qualified by CONCOM gets to approve it, and Tough Mudder needs to have volunteers, and they can be town volunteers, on the property making sure that they're implementing what they promised that they were going to do. So if those things are done, and if large areas are closed off and, and not used for the event, there won't be the fear that, oh, it's just a small area of a snow fence, people could easily accidentally run over that, then there shouldn't 
then it will be fine. There will not be damage to the property. I don't view this deed restriction as prohibiting what Tough Mudder has told us they're going to do. And again, I go back to the key point being they're not building any structures. If they were telling us they were going to build structures, then I would agree that makes it recreation, active recreation, not passive, and, and that's different. But that's not what they're planning to do as far as what they've told us. I, I think what's also important has been lost in, in a lot of the discussion that's occurred so far. This is an event that's been going on for five years with over 200 different locations on some of the most sensitive areas in the country. If it was that bad, I can assure you, we would have all heard that. We would have all been told that. There would have been there would be websites out there saying, keep Tough Mudder away from you because they don't they don't live up to what they say they do. That's the that's the point that I guess what I'm trying to make here is that we're basing a lot of comments that have been heard so far based upon what people think is going to happen, but not necessarily has happened. And I think that's where I'm coming from in this, is that I would not put my name in front of this. I would not I would not be advocating for this in front of you if I thought it was going to cause any kind of irreparable harm to the, to the land, which I think should remain open. Absolutely should remain open for the, for, forever, beyond the 50 years that, that, that these gentlemen have spoken about. Because I think it's a great green space for the town. That doesn't mean, by the way, that it should never be used for any purpose at all, other than just walking through. The, the, we're talking about a two-day event, not, not a 365-day event. A two-day event, which, by the way, which is with all kinds of guarantees built into it, that will have to occur or it will never happen again. So I guess that's where I'm coming from, is that at the end of the day, if the board does not feel comfortable with, with supporting this, this, uh, this perspective, if they don't think that the event is, is a good enough event or something that, that really is, is valuable to the community, it offers another recreational opportunity this community has never seen. And I think it's something that a lot of people would find very useful, very, very enjoying. I think a lot of people that the people that, that follow our Tough Mudder uh, participants are actually good. Have, have you know, they've never ever had issues with the, the people that participate in them? They, they're very rare that we run into problems with the people that, that that participate in them. So they're not irresponsible people that do this. These are people that are highly competitive, people that that really take good care of themselves personally. And want, to, and want to do something that, that, that really is an achievement that, that a lot of people would never, never be able to do. So um, I, I ask you to consider those points, that if it was really truly that bad, it clearly would have been identified somewhere in the past five years as being a, a, a severely damaging type of event. Okay, through the chair, I guess yep. one more question, unfortunately, I have to bring up, and that's the, now with what was said earlier, the potential for litigation if we do go forward. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, <laughs> obviously that's a little bit of a concern to the town because that could be costing us money now going forward. Um, I can only add that I did call Attorney Lovely this afternoon on my way here. I left a message because I didn't reach him, and I said in enough detail that I wanted to correct perhaps some misinformation that he might have as to whether there are going to be structures on the property, and I'm happy to discuss vehicles and anything else. But in my opinion, this is consistent with the deed restrictions terms. And I'm working with him on other matters. I'm sure we'll talk tomorrow or sometime this week about it. Okay. okay. Any other questions from the board? Uh, just uh, I, I look at it and don't disagree with what's 
been said to a certain point, but when, when I'm hearing statements and saying there's not going to be any questions uh, on a three-page statement, uh, I do take exception to some of the stuff that was said. Um, I think we were asked three or four times, have we read the deed, almost in a chastising way. I read the deed a year ago. I read the deed six months ago. I read the deed last night. Um, for someone to say our attorney is wrong and then leave the table without questions, uh, the, the Tom purchased this property 29 years ago for a million and a half dollars. There's certain rights that we do have on it, and there are certain restrictions that we have to adhere by. Uh, I don't think anyone, I don't think this would have gotten this far mm -hmm. if it was uh, blatantly against the deed. Um, it went, you know, I don't want to micromanage the recreation department, and I don't want to micromanage our conservation commission, but it went through a public hearing, and of stewards of the land from a conservation perspective, perspective, the stipulations that are on the approval is they will be treated like any other applicant. They're, they're not waiving any notice of intent or ENF or, or, or environmental. They've required monitors. They've required somebody in the profession of a botanist or a, an environmental person to be there. Um, checks and balances, and they approved it. Recreation approved it on their own standards with appointed and elected officials. Um, so to get the sense that we haven't even looked at the deed or we're taking the easy road and doing it here because it's quicker than going to the state, um, it's a little offensive to listen to. Mm -hmm. um, I've spent time looking at it. I've walked the trails. I've looked at areas that I would cringe if we were going to allow a Tough Mudder next to going through water mm -hmm. or wetlands. The fact is there's parking up there. There's paved roads up there. There were two houses up there. There are fields that are plowed with tractors. It's not an environmental uh, oasis with vernal pools. It's upland that has been deeded with pr protections on it. But we purchased the land, and we have rights to do within reason to use the property. There are fires up there. The scouts use it. There are camping. You know, so it's not like we're going in, going in pristine areas. It's sensitive. It's emotional. Um, but I don't want the percep perception that... We're just doing it because the monies are coming in through whatever avenues and hotels. And I think it's a good use of the property. It, it's a one-year, let's see if it works. If, it, if it's a disaster, we all learn a lesson, and our names are on something that probably um, we'll think twice about next time. But just to say we can't do it because we're doing the wrong thing from our forefathers, it's, it's a little offensive to hear that and then a person just walk away and, and the majority of the people not live here. So that's my two cents. Okay. Before I ask for a motion, I'm just going to close with this. Um, I don't appreciate the threat of litigation. Anybody can litigate anytime they want. It's not going to. It's not going to influence our decision. I don't appreciate the questioning of the confidence of our town council, and I don't appreciate the questioning of our character based on a, whatever decision that we make. I think the town has been good stewards of the Lane property. I think Jim, who, who spearheaded, um, along with other members and volunteers, the, the improvements that have taken place on the Lane property speak for themselves and, and how the town views the property. And I think for the next 21 years and forever years after that, we'll continue to be good stewards of the property. The fact of the matter is, um, based on, on uh, town council's opinions, um, the fact that it'll be over, overseen by the Conservation Commission, 
Um, I have no issue with it. I understand the emotional connection with the lane property, with, with the descendants, and, and I, I totally appreciate that. But we own the property now. And as long as we're not in violation of the deed restrictions, we can use it the, the way we see fit. And we're going to use that. We're going to use the property in a responsible manner. And I don't see any any issue with um, with, with going forward with this event. So, with that, I'm going to ask for a motion. <coughs> I'll move to yep. approve. Oh, the hold on, hold on. I, I just oh. want to clarify because I, I was not at the conservation commission meeting last night. Is the way I understand it, there's no structure, so none of the big structures, are, no spectators, no no vehicle parking. What's left? Is it just the people running through a trail in one area and out the other, and that's the, it? Right. There'll be there'll be three actual obstacles that they're pondering for this area, but they're all, they're they're. Um, one was I think one was uh, based on hay bales that would mm -hmm. be be set up on the field. Then one was a net that would have to crawl under a net. Not a barbed wire fence, but a net type of thing, structure. Mm -hmm. And the other one was uh, on the area where the, where the house was built. That may, in fact, be uh, an excavation area, but that's in an it's an upland area. That's where they we're trying to actually improve that area for the for the. Because I mean, that, that's I was, yeah. should have brought that up earlier. Yeah. And I, again, I wasn't at the meeting, but that's yeah. the area where the the, the, the house was. The house was. Right. There's a shed or an old garage that. Really should be taken. Should down. be taken down if it right. hasn't blown over at the last storm. Right. That area is completely developed with residential footprint. Right. That area is where one of the areas are, and yes. then I'm, I'm assuming that through the conservation provisions, right. at the end of the day, yeah. it's going to be a heck of a lot better than what it's it is be now. Improved area. Right. I, I, I just and, and I get I get the anxiety and I get the but I'm not hearing anything that is not being done up there already but just a few more people uh, on that trail. Uh, so that's it. I have a motion. Please. I'll move to approve the authorization for the town manager to execute the agreement with the uh, tough, motor, tough Mudder proposal. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. All those opposed? Okay. There you go. Thank you. Minutes, if you want. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, selectman's update. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just want to say that. Um, you know those those that were able to make the Sharon Watson dedication. Yep. It was very well done. Mm -hmm. um, Excuse me, we're just we're still 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 meeting here, so thank you. Uh, I, I thought I thought um, Kevin did a did a really nice job in nice. allowing people to say a few words. I, th I thought that was very low key and very very Sharon esque. Mm -hmm. So um, and the pavilion looks great. And a, another example of. Um, Community coming together. The town coming coming together. So it's a great. That was I, I second in that, and I want to tell you that I think we it's a it's a it's a structure that everybody should be proud of. It's a really well done. It was really reflective of, of Sharon and what Sharon was all about. Um, she was uh, clearly all about the community in so many different ways, and and to do something uh, that that will stand for a long time 
and reflective of, of some of the work that she did there is truly a tribute to her and her family. And I think that's really it was really, really well done today. Yeah. And I, th I think the, the unique thing is her co-workers really spearheaded that effort. They did. Yeah, absolutely and, and true. that just shows you the type of person that she yeah. was. You know, you got, you got a lot of members of the community involved, too, but it was really yeah. her co-workers that spearheaded that. So it was good to see. So, uh, anybody else have anything to uh, say? Okay. Bill? All right, thank you. Um, I wanted to, uh, just a couple couple points that I wanted to raise tonight. Um, next week we're going to be meeting with the, uh, with the Financial Management Control Board um, in Boston relative to the train issue um, to discuss whether or not the town will be successful in getting uh, support for the for the um, for the for the um, pilot program. Uh, we'll be making a presentation before the FMCB uh, next next Monday. Monday. We don't know the exact time yet. That's still to be being determined. We think it'll be sometime in the morning. Um, could be as early. Could be as late in the afternoon, depending upon how many people show up for for public comment. Um, I think it's important that if the community truly does support the train, that they should they should show their support by getting on the on the um, the um, <coughs> getting on on the uh, website. And I know that the Tri County Chamber has put together a um, um, has put together a um, a petition, an electronic petition that people can sign. Uh, if people are interested in doing in showing their support that way. They can go to www.tri-town chamber, all one word, dot org, and, and you can, and it's actually located right on the website, and you can actually uh, show your support in that way. Um, yes? If I might, mm, sure. Beryl was out for a quick second. Would sure. you mind saying that again so maybe we could get sure. that same sure. thing in the paper? So next week, the, uh, the and Barrett, I talked about this at the oh. that the financial management control board is meeting to 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 discuss the uh, the, the the pilot program for for the train in Foxborough. And but if if residents do feel very strongly and want to support the issue, uh, they can go to the www.tri-town uh, chamber all in one word um, dot org site, and they actually have a, a electronic petition people can sign and show their support for it. Um, just changing, shifting, shifting gears for a second. Um, with respect to the town hall, uh, first of all, I just I can't say enough that people are truly excited about working in that environment. It's and it's and everybody has been really appreciative of the of the building itself when they walk in and see it. It's just uh, we get a lot of positive comments from everyone. So I again want to say thanks to the community for supporting us in that. Um, one thing that we are embarking on now is trying to get. Um, the Historic Commission involved in, along with our, our town historian Jack Othelette, to try and come up with um, a, an area of pictures that, that are truly reflective of the history of the town. And uh, they, um, I spoke with Jack last week, and uh, he immediately dove into the project with the, the, with the, with the Historic Commission to try and find uh, pictures that are truly reminiscent of all the history that have gone on in this community for many, many years. And they were looking to try and come up with a, a collage of pictures that we can use in the, in the particular in the front foyer, foyer mm -hmm. and, and, up, and along the hallways of the building, and perhaps even in the in the uh, in the, the selectmen's chambers. Um, I've seen that done in other communities, and it's really it's really well done. It's um, it, they'll, they'll, all the pictures will probably have the same kind of framing, so it'll be done very professionally, and and we'll take the pictures and and really 
really give uh, give people something to talk about when they walk in the building, and um, and we want that to be truly a tribute to the community and the history of the community. So um, I can tell you that Jack has um, been very has embraced it wholeheartedly, and and his commission was excited about the prospect of dealing with this. So that's something we're working on right now. Um, I'll let Mary Beth uh, take over from here, but those are those are some of that we got a lot going on. But uh, the, the more, more on the operational nature, so I, I won't I won't uh, belabor the discussion tonight. But I, I think I'll let Mary Beth go on with some of the things that she's working on. Excuse me, Mary Beth. Before yeah, sure. uh, just on your point, if I might, yeah. um, uh, town hall. I don't know, but you guys phenomenal feedback from a lot of people. A lot of patients come into my office talking about it. I have to say, there's one negative part. Those front doors, they're, they're pretty heavy. They are heavy. And, and a couple of senior citizens that have come into my office said that they're, they're really tough. So we've got, to get, the we've got to get people used to the, the pressing the button that will open the door it for them. It opened both sets of doors. For yeah. them. I thought it only opened one. No, it actually opened both now. No, it opens oh. the first set and the second set. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think it was, there was an instance where it was only opening one. We but were together I, at the time. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think it does open both now. They, they oh, fixed that. You into the fixed door? So it's a point well taken. It, 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 they are, doors are heavy, and um, we, we, that's why I encourage people to use the, the push button. Okay. Yeah. Open, the, open the door. Also, I a, is there a late payment drop-off? There window, is. Like it's, it's, it's a bo there's a box. There's like a mailbox built right into the wall. Right to the right, when you walk in the front door, there's a, there's oh, like a mailbox okay. slot. You can drop stuff in there. Oh, okay. To the right of the door. To the right of the door, okay. yeah. And the mailbox has been moved out front, too, by the way. Yeah. When's the um, when's the concierge going to start? Oh, uh, I can. That's very best thing. Give me an update right. on that. I, I will just say that they they they're nearing completion of the of the mitigation piece of the building, and um, we're hoping to see that the building will come down sometime in the next few weeks. We don't know exactly, but um, so I'll just I'll leave it at that. So to that point with the uh, town hall, um, you know, people coming in and trying to find their way around. We um, have embraced the idea of having a greeter concierge um, as one of the senior tax work-off um, oh, positions. So um, I've spent some time, uh, created a job description, and this week I'm interviewing candidates for it. Um, the excitement has been great. We have people who have, you know, one person I spoke to today has been a resident for 50 years, has great, you know, office skills and positive um, Outlook, and you know, we're we're looking to embrace having seniors. Um, we're doing shifts from eight to twelve and twelve to four. Probably at this point, we'll use one senior for each shift. If we find that it's going to be a busy time, maybe we'll schedule two. But we're going to line them up for um, as soon as it's safe. The park, we have a parking lot. Um, we also, if you noticed, have a wooden signboard on an easel until the electronic signboard gets um, installed. So my understanding is that will all happen hopefully late August, early September. So um, talking to the seniors about starting right after Labor Day, and we'll probably do a little mini orientation for them all to get them all together and talk about uh, some of that. We're, gonna, we're updating a frequently asked questions, a little map that they can give out. So um, the candidates are giving me great ideas on what we should do and give out and train. So um, that's been a lot of fun this week. And I appreciate people's interest in it. Um, I think there's been a good response. Um, we're just really gangbusters with hiring updates and you know replacing some of our positions. Uh, the police chief has uh, 
extended an open offer for reserve officers, and they are coming in and uh, working with our office, providing their credentials. I think we had like 150 applicants for reserve officer. We're working with them to get all their paperwork in. I think I mentioned we had 360 applicants for an assessor's position. We have that down to four candidates now. We're down to four candidates for the executive director of the regional dispatch um, center. Uh, we've extended offers this week on a DPW position, uh, two, a COA pos replacement position, um, a lateral police officer, and another um, COA position is coming down the pike. We're interviewing for maintenance supervisors and water techs. Um, so it's been very, very busy in our office. Um, we also started this week our bargaining process with the steelworkers. We've opened negotiations. We had our first bargaining session on Monday. It went very well. We have two more dates in August. We have a date uh, next week. We're starting with fire. Well, we started with fire. There's been a little interruption in, in the dates, so we're continuing along with fire, and we'll be working uh, to set up some dates with the police. So our bargaining, um, one contract ended June 30th of 2017. The others... Um, both ended 2013, uh, June 30th, 2017. Police were just getting ahead of the game. Theirs ends June 30th, 2018. So um, we're working hard on proposals, and um, for the most part, we're not using Labor Council either. Bill and I are doing it with Randy's help on finance, and then as we need it, Labor Council's reviewing our proposals but not actually sitting at the table. Um, Marsha and I had the opportunity to attend the Fox Cares meeting um, last week. It was a great um, event at Lafayette House. Uh, Marsha, I was very um, proud. She uh, was the guest speaker with regard to legal, um, you know, liquor um, licensing, uh, permit restrictions. She even uh, gave some good updates from her ABCC meeting regarding the law. So um, we had great feedback from that. And um, we've, as a result of that meeting, we've sort of, um, we've made contact with the moderators, start talking about a special fall town meeting because there are articles that um, will be coming up that will need attention in the fall. Some of them might be collective bargaining agreements, um, a state statute about alcohol um, opening times, uh, and zone and planning and zoning have some articles as well. So, um, I think there's another one you, you had mentioned to me as well. Yeah. So we reached out to the moderator to try to set something up. We were hoping for October. Looks like um, possibly it could be November date. Um, or even early December. Yeah. So we've got that ball rolling, and we'll keep you updated. So I think that's it. Okay. Did you cover all the, all the items for the... No, no we still have a couple here. Yes, we do. Um, uh, uh, move to approve uh, Sunday early openings of 11 a.m. for Patriot Home Games for Jake and Joe's for 924, 10-1, 10-29, 11-26, 12-24, and 12-31. Uh, dates may change due to flex scheduling. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Move to approve a gift donation in the amount of $50 to the Council on Aging for the lockbox program from Anonymous. Second. Motion made, second. Any further discussion? 
Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. I'll move to accept the gift donation in the amount of $15 to the Council on Aging as a thank you for notary services from Patricia Fitzgerald. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. I'll move to approve a gift donation in the amount of $170 to recreation for the for the gift fund from Gardens to Grow. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Move to accept a gift donation in the amount of $675 uh, to the Council on Aging half, uh, for half of the art program from Mary June from the Friends. Oh, well, for Made. the art program from May to June from the Friends of Foxborough Seniors. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Move to accept a gift donation in the amount of $775 to the Veteran Services for the Iraq and Afghanistan War Memorial from Ellen and Dave Feltman. Second. Thank you. Um, motion made. Second on the discussion. I'm going to recuse myself, even though I approve of it. <laughs> <laughs> All those in favor? All right. And we thank you for the donation. <laughs> and was Ellen surprised when she found out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's, she's, uh, I should say it it live. You you did (laughs) (laughs) Next. Move to accept a gift donation of the amount of $500 to veteran services for veterans transportation from the Foxborough VFW Post 2626. Second. Motion made, second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Move to approve a liquor license extension request of 11 a.m to NPS LLC for New England Patriot Sunday home games. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Move to approve uh, the Board of Selectmen minutes of uh, 7-11-17. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. And move to approve the Board of Selectmen meeting minutes of 7-17-17. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Move to adjourn. Uh, wait. Oh, Tara, I'm back. My bad. Sorry. Wait a minute. I called you back today, so you can't come back to me now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I'll get you on another one. Um, so I guess the question is uh, clarification about Tough Mudder. Is this going to be the first, would this be the first one in Massachusetts? Yes. So Massachusetts period, because you, yes. you also mentioned like the Boston, uh, the Rhode Island, uh, the Boston Providence corridor, but it's right. also that it's and in all of Massachusetts. I don't know of anything about Rhode Island either, but I don't know there's one in, I've never been to Rhode Island either, I, but there, this will be the first in, in Massachusetts. Some with an apartment in Rhode Island can confirm there's not a lot of open space, although there are That's some right. very nice spots. This is my series along the ocean. Oh, no, no, it's, it's a gorgeous place. Um, other thing is that you say, you mid, uh, I just uh, make sure I heard correctly, it's in Mount Stowe, correct? Yes, uh, Mount Snow. Oh, Mount, Mount Snow. He said Snow. He I mentioned Snow, but it was Mount yeah. Snow was the most Snow. recent one. So Mount Snow was the most recent one. So, they, so there was, was a Mount one in Mount Snow and also in Stowe, Vermont. No, no, no there's not one in Stowe that I'm aware of. The, the, um, there's one in Mount Snow and there's one in Loudon, New Hampshire. And the Mount in Loudon, New Hampshire is going to occur in August of this year. Okay, so Mount Snow. I think it's interesting enough they call it the Boston one, believe it or not, and mm-hmm. it's called, it actually occurs in Loudon, New Hampshire. So hopefully they can maybe, and I don't want them to call this the Boston one. Either, no, right away. <laughs> we get that enough with already on Sundays. Yeah, <coughs> showing downtown. That, that should be in the agreement. That's right, exactly. 
Excellent. Well, that's all I have. Thanks, okay. Thanks Baron. Thank you. Uh, move to adjourn. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Good night, everybody.